0: WELCOME TO WORKING THE WORD WITH JONATHAN VORCE. JOIN US NOW FOR SERVICE ALREADY IN PROGRESS AT LAKEWOOD CHURCH OF GOD.
1: THE BIBLE SAYS IN JOHN CHAPTER 10 AND VERSE 10 LAST WEEK WE SHARED WITH YOU, THE THIEF COMES NOT BUT FOR TO STEAL AND TO KILL AND TO DESTROY. THE WORD OF GOD SAYS JESUS HAS COME THAT HE MIGHT GIVE US LIFE AND GIVE IT TO US MORE ABUNDANTLY. SO LAST WEEK, JUST IN CASE YOU WEREN'T HERE, DONNA AND I SHARED the story of our uh, really rough spot in our relationship several years ago where we uh, literally experienced a broken home we were um, divorced and for 10 months we were separated for 2 years we were remarried uh, uh, 18 years ago we were remarried and God has worked to restore our relationship and I must say that restoration and she'll, uh, she'll agree with me on this I know she will Restoration is a daily thing. It's not something... Because see, the devil is still pitching a fit over what the Lord did for us. And uh, he's, and, and all he can do is pitch fit because he's defeated. He's defeated. He's destroyed. In fact, I wish I would have thought about, known I was going to say this, but the Bible says in one of the minor prophets that uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah actually pulled all of his teeth. So all the devil can do is just gnaw around a little bit and make a bunch of noise. Hallelujah! But we have victory, don't we? We have victory over him. So today, what we're going to do? Next week, now just let me say this: Next week, I'm going to be addressing Donna and I won't be doing this again next week. I'll be back in the pulpit, but I'm going to be addressing family relationships, and I'm going to be talking about relationships with your kids, and and uh, you know what to do when your kids do things that you don't think that they should do, and 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 how to handle that. And uh, we've not always done the right thing, uh, but. Our kids do still love us, and they all still want to worship the Lord. And so we're grateful and thankful. So there's a few things we've gotten right. Amen. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, or I'm going to talk a little bit about that next week, family relationships. But today we're going to talk about the restoration. We're going to talk about the remarriage. We're going to talk about the emotions around that. And I just want to let you know that even though, and, and I'm not trying to embarrass anyone here today, but how many here have been divorced and remarried? Can I see your hand? See almost there's it's just everywhere and see some some of some of the people that put their hands up around you and we did this on purpose. Some of the people that put their hands up around you you're like, "Really?" Like Randall. I'm not No, 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 he's a testimony. He's a testimony. Him and Ruth Ann have been married for years and years and years, but he's, he suffered through that. He's talked to me about it before, and he won't care because he's not going to let the devil get the upper hand. He's tes- His life's a testimony of what God can do. Our life is a testimony of what God can do. Almost every single one of you, Stephen, Rita, I'm not trying to embarrass them, but I mean, they raised their hands, so they're free game. But Stephen, <laughs> but Stephen, <laughs> but listen, I mean, what a testimony, what a testimony of what God can do. Now, some people, The Lord works a miracle like He did with us, and they remarry each other. But there are other people that that unfortunately doesn't work out, and they end up finding love in a different place and a different person. And God puts that back together, and there can be a remarriage of love there. And we talked about last week about how that divorce is the breaking of a covenant, and to try to put together something that is broken. Uh, Is not necessarily always the most advantageous thing to do. Now, when when we became divorced, I didn't want the divorce. I don't think Donna did either. Um, But the pain, I'm just telling you right now, and everyone that raised your hand will understand and agree, the pain is real. The pain is real. A divorce, I've often said, is a death where no one dies. Just a relationship. And it hurts, doesn't it? It's 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 really real. But I want to tell you this. I want to give you some hope. Jesus can heal your broken heart. Amen. I said Jesus can heal your broken heart. Now, I remember one time I was um, I put down here. I'm so lonesome I could cry. <laughs> I I remember uh, a period of time we were separated and divorced, and I was working for the dairy and preaching a little bit on the weekends. It would, it would frustrate her because she'd call and want to know where I was going to go and what I was going to do, and I'd tell her it ain't none of her business because we weren't married anymore. <sighs> Could have handled that different. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Um, but I remember one particular night... Um, the, the pain. I mean, I would, get up, I would get up in the middle of the night, wake up out of a dead sleep, jump up out of the bed because the kids were little. I'd jump up out of the bed to go down the hall to check on the kids to make sure they were okay, only to get fully awake and realize they're not here. They're not here. In fact, they're 45 minutes away in another house, and there's no way for me to check and see if they're okay. And that hurt me. So that was real pain, and I would get very lonely. And I remember at times I would say, God, you've abandoned me. God, I've, I've asked you, God, to not let this happen. And you did. You failed me, God. I had these very real conversations with God. And I said, you have abandoned me. And so I'm walking along the North Fork, of the Licken River about 2 or 3 in the morning in eastern Kentucky down close to the cabin where I was living and it started to rain. And I slipped and fell in the mud. It just got worse. And so I'm laying there in the mud. I thought, what's the point in even getting up? <laughs> I mean, if want to clean up, I just get down in a creek. You know, the little river. They called it a river, but it's a creek. And so I'm laying there in the mud, and I told the Lord. Now I wasn't suicidal, but I told the Lord, I said, God, if you're through with me, you can take me home. Because my whole life, I want to spend my days working for you. I want to spend my days being a good father. I want to spend my days being a good husband. And God, if all of that is over and you're done with me, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And I don't want to stay on this old earth one minute longer than I have to. I want to be with you. Second time in my life, I heard the audible voice of God. First time was when He called me to ministry when I was a little boy. Second time in my life, I heard the audible voice of God. He called my name. He said, Jonathan. And it got my attention. He said, you can't change the past, but if you'll let it go, I'll give you a future. That word from God that day, church, changed my life. Totally changed my life. Because when he said, you can't change the past, my mind didn't just go back to the failure of the marriage, but my mind went back to the successes of ministry. Because let me tell you something, the ministry that I had, I, 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 before I met Donna, was traveling and we were doing a lot for the Lord and I was preaching camp meetings and conventions even as a young man, even ministers' conventions to hundreds of people and sometimes even thousands of people. All of that died. And I would lay in bed at night and I would hear the cries of the lost. And the devil would torment me And he would say to me, they're going to hell because you couldn't stay married. I had to learn, devil, you are a stinking liar. You know why? Because I found out God can raise up someone else to preach the message of the gospel to them if he has to. And I have to say, during that six year stretch, those that I could have won to the Lord... God had to raise someone else up to reach them. And so I was thinking about those things. And when the Lord said, you have to let it go, and I'll give you a future, then, he, then I began to talk to the Lord. And for over an hour, I laid there in the mud on the side of the hill with the creek going down and the rain coming down and all of that. And I told God, I said, I give you every success. I give you every failure. I give you every dream. I give you every hope. From this day forward, my life is a blank slate. You fill it with what you want. And I turned Donna loose. And except for my responsibilities to my children, I turned my children loose. I turned loose of every success. I turned loose of every failure. And when I got up out of the mud... Went down in the creek, rinsed off a little bit, walked back up to the porch on that little cabin, that little one-bedroom cabin where I was living, and sat down and waited for the sun to come up. I felt like a brand new man. I felt like the weight of the world had come off of me. That was the word that God gave me through the years since then. God has had me give that word to several people, and He's given it to some of you today. You know, you can't change your past. The Word of God says, Who through worry can one add cubit to their stature? In other words, you can't make yourself any taller by worrying about being short. It's not going to do any good. It doesn't change anything. So you have to learn to let God have it. And you got to learn to turn it loose so God can give you a future today today and and the remarriage because it was shortly after that that I received a phone call from Donna and she said to me that she had been in a revival that night and she had been praying and the Lord spoke to her that we needed to get back together and all of this kind of stuff and I told her I was through because I had turned her loose on on the in that mud I told her that I had turned her loose. But through through the process and as time went on, then the Lord did speak to me and said what God has joined together, don't let man put asunder and I joined you together. And so you need to try to make this work. And so um, there's a whole big long story there. But um, I want to share with you Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. Here's what the word says. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I can tell you right now during this whole experience God never left me he never forsook me he never lifted the anointing off of me even though people would call and want to book me and sometimes people would tell them well Jonathan's backslid that was a lie i was never backslid but there's reasons they said that but it but it wasn't true okay god never forsook me he never lifted his anointing off of me the call of god never went away, and I can say today boldly that the Lord was my helper. He was my helper. Now I found out very quick in ministry who my real friends were. I also found out who the fakes were. The people that like to point their fingers, you know. I found out I could I could count My real friends on one hand. That's what I had. One real friend. One real friend. Amen. So, Donna, after we got together, well, we were working on getting together. We weren't completely back together. Um, She left where she was working and moved to Eastern Kentucky. We weren't, we weren't married, so we, we weren't remarried, so we weren't living together. Hello? Yeah, but you were married before. Now, we weren't married, so we weren't living together. All right? So um, we were living about two miles apart, three miles apart, something like that. And one night, Donna had a very difficult time and I'm going to let her talk to you about that, and hopefully it'll help minister some healing to you.
0: This is always difficult for me.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> but, you know, during that time, you know, when he was, when he was there and we were still in, an, in 45 minutes away, um, things just kept getting worse and worse with me. I'm the one that went through the depression, extreme depression. Um, I would come home from work, and I would go in the bedroom. I would put blankets on the windows. And, you know, my kids would come in there and they would sit with me. They never would leave me alone. But I didn't want to be anywhere. I, I just wanted to go home. I wanted to stay in that room by myself and not do anything with anybody. And that went on. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And, you know, if you've never dealt with depression, you'll never understand. But, you know, people say, well, you know, you can just get out of it. You can just get out of it. It comes a point to where you can't get out of it. You know, not by yourself. You know, you you are in such a state of hopelessness and despair that you just don't know. You know, here I was raised in church, have, you know, has had loved God since I was eight years old, you know, and my marriage wasn't supposed to end, you know, I was married to a preacher, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen, and so, you know, the devil would just continue, you know, look what you did, you made a wreck of your life, and, you know, you guys, will, you know, look at all the people you're hurting, and all of that, so, you know, the night that I was at church, uh, you know, the Lord did minister to me, and there was a little bit of a reprieve at that point, point. Um, and so we, we did, me and the kids, we moved, we Uh, We purchased a home, and we moved up uh, within five minutes of of him so that we can try to work on it. But that hold of depression still had a hold of me, and it was strong. That um, one night, and all I remember of this night before it happened was fixing dinner for my kids. And I remember getting a knife out of the cabinet and going and writing a letter to my family. The place that I worked, I had a, a pretty substantial life insurance policy. And in my mind, I had made such a you know I had felt like I had made such a fiasco of my family that they would be better without me. And I knew that with what I had, it would pay everything off. It would give him money to, you know, support the kids, to take care of them. After I wrote that letter, I don't remember anything until the police came. Um, When I came, I, I honestly believe I had a nervous breakdown that night. When I came to myself, I was in my wedding dress, and my girls had gotten in the bathroom somehow. I don't even remember how they got in the bathroom, but thank God they did. And I sit there, you know, and they, they tell me, they said, Mom, we don't want, you know, we don't want to wear your wedding dress. And I keep it as a reminder of what God did for me, not what the devil tried to do, but what God did. And so they had called their dad and told him, you know, we found this letter that mama has. And um, this is what it says. And they read it to him. And I remember my son, when when they, they took me, I remember hearing him cry for his mother. And at that moment, I'm like, what have I done? You know, what have I allowed the devil to do to me and to, you know, do to my family? And they took me in the the car. So they they put me in the cruiser and took me to the hospital. And some of this they don't know, but I was in the ER, and they they kept a... um, an officer there with me to make sure I didn't try anything else. But during that time, the Lord allowed me to minister to him, even in my brokenness. He allowed me to minister to that police officer. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, God, how, how can I do this? And he said, because I'm always there with you. I've never left you. That night when they put me in the the psychiatric ward, there was, I had some crazy woman in there with me. (laughs) But the night that I laid my head on that pillow, everything that had ever been taught to me as a child came through my mind. Every message that was ever preached to me, every scripture that was ever given to me, and the Lord let me know that even though I was broken, he was right there with me. And parents, I'm gonna tell you one thing. If somebody tells you that things that you have taught your children were in vain, don't you dare listen to them because everything that was ever taught to me was brought back to me that night and the comfort of the Lord. You know, there's still times today that it, it has affected my children. And does it bother me? Absolutely. You know, it, it has affected them greatly. But I've told them, if I could take it back, I would. But sometimes we can't take things back, and we have to walk through it. And even though, you know, it's still, for me, it's still as real today as it was that day, you know. But we've chosen to help people with it instead of hide from it. And so, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, that he'll give us a sound mind. You know, if you're dealing with depression this day, you know, I can honestly sit here and tell you right now that God has completely healed me from depression. I do not battle with
1: it. And I'll testify. I'll testify to that.
0: You know, I do not battle with it. Um, you know, there are times, you know, just like with anything, he tries to bring things, you know, up to you and say, oh, here we go again, you know, but I don't battle with it anymore. And, you know, I have told people, you know, who who have dealt with depression, I have told them, I said, what worked for me was for me getting myself back in the Word and praising and getting, you know, the Word back in me because I had I had quit praying. You know, I still loved God, but I had quit praying. I was mad at God. And, you know, with that depression came anxiety, and I mean, just anything that you could deal with came with that depression. And, you know, what worked for me may not work for you, but, you know, if you've not been praying, if you're not, you know, where you need to be with God, doesn't mean that you've backslid. You know, you may have, you know, you may have never known God, But if you're not where you need to be, try it. Get yourself in the Word. You know, put praise and worship around you. You know, let God fill your atmosphere. And, you know, God will take care of that.
1: She uh, shared with me uh, that the song, Jesus Loves Me, kept going over and over in her mind. So, um... There's a few scriptures here that she's marked. You want me to read them? Okay, go ahead.
0: Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound or tranquil heart is life to the body, a heart at peace or rest. And Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety is the heart of man. In the heart of man causes depression, but a good word make it glad. You know, always remember that, you know, God, God's there. No matter what. And we'll we'll help you through it.
1: So what do we do when we say, God, I don't understand? Because what your words of what your word here here's here's what I learned to do. First of all, I think we all need to understand this, that God is not a taskmaster, and God will not force anyone against their own will. If God did not put it in Donna's heart or in my heart to remarry each other, we would not be remarried today. And just because you want to get remarried to your former spouse doesn't mean that they want to get remarried to you. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And it's things we don't understand, isn't it? And here, because I went through that for a long time. I'm like, God, I didn't want this. I don't know. I, you know. And now look what's happening to her, God. I mean... And I was just really like, Lord, I don't get it. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. Right in here, not audibly, but right in here, which is where He usually speaks. And I call it in my knower. He told me, He said, quit trying to understand it and just trust me. We don't always have to understand everything. Look at your neighbor right now, if you can, and tell them, you don't have to know it all. <laughs> so, depression, according to the Merriam-Webster definition, is an act of depressing or a state of being depressed, such as, number one, a state of feeling sad, dejection, anger, anxiety, and, de- and depressed Number two, it's a mood disorder marked especially by sadness, inactivity, difficulty in thinking and concentration, a significant increase or decrease in appetite and time spent sleeping, feelings of dejection and hopelessness, and sometimes suicidal tendency, bouts of depression uh, for those suffering from clinical depression. Uh, It's marked by reduction in activity, amount, quality, uh, and it's a, uh, biologically, it's a lowering of physical or mental vitality or of functional activity or pressing down. Now, uh, I, wanna, I want us to understand there are three different, three different areas that we need to pay attention to here. Sometimes depression is chemical. That means it's medical. If the Lord has not yet healed you, then there's nothing wrong with getting help. Sometimes God uses doctors to help us. And we need to say, thank you, Lord, for doctors. Let's all say it right now. Thank you, Lord, for doctors. It's not a lack of faith on your part and uh, anything like that. Secondly, depression comes sometimes because of emotional things, which is grief. Depression can come through grief. And uh, then uh, it, can, it can be spiritual. And whatever happens in your spirit is reflected in your body. So the emotional part of it, there is, there's what I call the divorce grief cycle, which is pretty much the same kind of grief cycle uh, of loss because uh, divorce is, is major loss. And it's not just major loss to the people involved, but it's major loss to all that are affected by it. So there is a grief cycle. There are seven stages to that cycle the first one is denial. The first stage is denial. I can't believe this is happening to me. God, really? You know, I mean, how come you didn't come through, through for, the, for me? How, you know, And I'm sure Donna was feeling the same way. Then the second is pain and fear. You're all of a sudden experiencing the fact that, hey, this really did happen. Oh, my goodness, my life is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. You know, I stood at the altar and I said until death do us part and I had these dreams of children and grandchildren and vacations together and holidays together and birthdays and, uh, and now all of a sudden you're faced with that all being gone. I mean, you can still do vacation with your family and whatnot, but it's not, it, wouldn't be, it won't be the same. And so there's pain and fear. That's the second part of the cycle. Then the third cy- part of the cycle is Anger. You start to get mad at everybody and everything and people say stuff to you and you just snap at them and then you wonder later, why did I say that? Why in the world did I act like that? I know better than that. But you're getting angry. So I want to tell you something. The Word of God doesn't say don't be angry. The Word of God says don't be angry and sin. In fact, the Word of God says be angry and sin not. So anger is an emotion that God uses sometimes to help us address injustice and get past that spot in our life. Otherwise, we're stuck. So, don't deny the fact that that there's anger there, but use it to your advantage, okay? So be angry and sin not. Then the fourth stage is the bargaining stage. You're like, okay, God, whatever you want, that's what I'll give you if you'll just make things normal again. Well, let me let me tell you something. I don't care if you get re- remarried today. It'll never be the same again. One of the things I told Donna when God spoke to me about us getting back together and, and um, we started working on it. I told her, I said, honey... I said the relationship that we had before is dead. It's over. There are things now that we have to deal with. Trust issues. Overcoming misunderstanding. Learning how to get along again. Realizing that we let this happen. So we had to work through guilt. And we had to work through, you know, we had to take our stand against the enemy and all of that. So, I'm going to tell those, some of you that may, may be in that hallway, you know, where you're divorced and you're thinking about getting remarried, even if you do remarry, make sure that the relationship that you had before is completely over so you don't carry the baggage and the pain of that into the next relationship and repeat. I love you trying to help you here so you're bargaining that's the that and then after the bargaining stage and you realize that God's not interested in bargaining and all of that then all of a sudden the guilt comes and you start suffering from guilt then after the guilt that's number 5 number 6 is depression and on the other side of depression is acceptance. It's acceptance. So, and that's very, a very quick look at the cycle. We do have a thing called divorce care um, here that if people want to go through, <clears throat> we can take them through. It's a 13-week course, and we deal with this much in much more detail to try to help people heal. But these are the seven stages of the divorce-grief cycle. Denial, number one. Pain and fear, number two. Anger stage, number three. Bargaining stage, number four. Guilt, number five. Depression, number six. And acceptance, number seven. And I can tell you that I went through all of those stages. And I think that Donna probably did also. And it wasn't until we were done that the Lord spoke to me about what God has joined together let not man put asunder and that the Lord spoke to her and we started to try to make this work what we did I told her I said for six months I said we're going to date I said we're going to just date we're going to start dating like we just met and we started to date and uh, it was it was hard, at times, to be good. Look at her, my goodness. But we were good because we didn't want to mess up what God was trying to do. And I don't know if you want to throw anything in here before we get to the last point. Okay. So what happened was um, I was on my way to Louisiana. Donna was driving, myself and two other friends. We were going to a cell group convention for churches down in Louisiana from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. We were going to fly out of Louisville. And we had to drive from eastern Kentucky all the way to Louisville. And that was on a Tuesday. And the plan was we'll do the convention. I'll fly back in on Friday and then we'll get remarried on Saturday. Our pastor was starting a church in Moorhead. Now, this is another thing that we did also. We, I told her, I said, we have to find a church and a pastor who doesn't know me and doesn't know you and nobody in the church knows us. Because when you go back to Winchester where she grew up, everybody knew her and I'm the dog. It's the truth. It's the truth. Okay? And if I take her up north around my family, she's, she's a prettier dog, but she's still the dog. So she's the poodle and I'm the pit bull. But, but anyways, I told her, I said, God has to give us someone who knows nothing about us. And there was a man who had a church of about four or 500 people in um, Lexington and he had, he had church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and he would drive an hour and a half. He'd have somebody drive him in his van. An hour and a half to come to Moorhead because he was starting a church in Moorhead called Grace Fellowship. And he would preach at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoons. He would preach to about 8 of us. He'd leave four or 500 people, drive that far to preach to 8 of us and then go back and preach to four or five hundred people again that night. And he was consistent. He was methodical. He was safe. A man of God, him and his wife, Bonnie, who's in heaven now, but he and his wife, Bonnie, uh, embraced us and loved us and taught us faith Taught us how to live by faith. Taught us, and, and, and we would look at each other, and we, and we weren't married yet, and but we'd go to church together. And, and we'd look at each other and we'd say, wow, that's what we were missing all those years. Was faith and confessing the word and trusting God and believing for favor and all of these things. And you wonder why I'm so dogmatic about it. It put our life back together. And so he taught us that. And, um, and actually, it was a Saturday that I was going, wasn't it? I can't remember. Because we got remarried on Tuesday, didn't we? It was, not a, Tuesday. It was a Tuesday when we got remarried. It was Tuesday when you were going. Okay. Oh, Tuesday when I was going, that's correct. Tuesday when I was going. So he would preach there on Sunday afternoons, and he would <laughs> preach there on Tuesday nights. And so when we got to the airport in Louisiana, in Louisville, when we got to the airport in Louisville, uh, the security met us at the car because we were unloading our luggage and whatnot. And the guy looked at us and he said, where do you guys, Where do you guys think you're going? And we looked at him like, that's, that's kind of nuts for him to ask us that. You know? And we said, we're going to Louisiana. He said, you ain't going anywhere. He said, all the planes have been grounded. And I looked at him and Daryl looked at him and Adam. And we looked at him and we said, You're full of it. And he looked at us and he said, guys, he said, I'm not kidding. He said, America is under attack. And that was the day the Twin Towers were hit. And so we got back in the car and we were just, I mean, we were all from eastern Kentucky and you could feel the redneck in the air, buddy. (laughs) I mean, my goodness, we were ready to dress up in red, white, and blue and and go take care of this problem. Um, And so we we drove all the way back, which was about an hour and a half or two hours, something like that, all the way back. And um, I looked at her when we got back, and I said, why are we going to wait until Saturday? Pastor will be here tonight. Let's just go ahead and do it tonight. And she said, I'm good with that. And so pastor got out of the van. We looked at our pastor and we said, he said, I thought you was going to Louisiana. I said, I didn't think we were going to get attacked. And he said, I know, you know. And then I said, can you just marry us tonight? He said, well, yeah. And I said, do you need, do you have your little black book? And he said, I don't need a black book. He said, we'll just do this under... And he said, when we get to the part about death and all that, he said, I'm just going to speak life over you guys and things like that. And I said, well, okay. And so there we were with about maybe 10 people in there, eight people, 10 people. And he got up and told everybody, Jonathan and Donna are going to get remarried. Some of you thought they were married, but they're not. You know, all this kind of stuff. And we're going to get remarried. And our children stood there and they watched as God put us back together and when it was over, they danced down the aisle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Our kids did that. Wow. <sighs> Mama D is the pit bull, and Pastor's the poodle. You're dead, Tim Moore. (sighs) (sighs) A little levity when we needed it. That was great. (laughs) A few things we want you to remember. A few things we want you to remember. You want to take the first one or do you want me to? Can you talk? You okay?
0: Um, Just remember it's not God's fault you know that was one of the things that i had to that i had to come to terms with that you know god didn't cause this you know there's things that we do in our life and things that we allow to happen in our lives that causes things to happen and it's never god's fault so just remember that
1: and then i want to tell you to resist the temptation to isolate yourself because the devil will try to make you feel worthless and he'll try to get you to isolate yourself so don't isolate yourself okay and, and, then, um, and then I'll do number C and you can do number D, okay? Uh, I, I alluded to it before, but the relationship you had has to end before restoration can take place. And let me say this, you do not want the kind of relationship that you would have to have now. You do not want it. It can never go back to like it was. And if you think you can just move back in and pick up where you left off, you have a hard road ahead of you. Let me tell you something. I love you enough to tell you the truth. If you're going to get back together, you need help. You need help. If it hadn't been for our pastor and for Bonnie loving us and helping us and counseling us because I'm going to tell you something. I love this lady sitting on the front row right here. My mother in law, I love her more than life. But there's absolutely nothing she could have said to me that I would have listened to. Nothing. And it's the same situation with Donna and my family. So we had to get away from all of that. Okay. Um, so things will never be as they were. Uh, you'd probably spend your days feeling violated and used and abused. Now, just let me say this uh, in passing, and we're we're pretty much through here. Just a couple of scriptures, but God didn't just have to heal things with Donna and I. But like God's had to heal our kids. And God's had to heal Vic and I's relationship. And God's had to heal uh, Donna's relationship with my family. I think my best friend Wayne is probably the only person that just loved us all. No matter what. We were driving by the hospital that day. One day. She was in the hospital. And I was driving by and I kept looking up there while we were driving. And he, he turned and he looked at me and he said, Dude... Just pull the car in there and go get your wife. I said, shut up. <laughs> he just, he laughed at me, but I did. I went in there and um, they, they let me uh, go see her. And I think that was probably the beginning of, of the restoration. You need a good friend, okay?
0: And then Psalms 35 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, just remember that no matter what, that God can restore your joy no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through right now. God can restore that joy that He gave you when you first came to Him. You know, it's, the Lord is always there with you. Just like with me, you know, that night, every scripture came to me. You know, the one that, the main one that came through my mind that night was Psalms 23. You know, and over and over and over, every every moment of that night, I knew that the Lord was there with me. And, you know, it didn't happen overnight, you know, but the Lord restored the joy that I had. The Lord restored me uh, to where I was um, with Him in relationship and, you know, has has went beyond that now. But, you know, just always remember, no matter what comes at you, God's joy is still there for you.
1: Amen. And Psalms 23 is a prosperity psalm. What? Yeah. Think about it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. He restores my mind, will, and emotions. That's your soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the... Not the valley of death. The shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Go ahead and sit down and eat right in the presence of your enemies. They can't touch you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over... Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. For that's a prosperity psalm. I don't care. That's a prosperity psalm. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's just stand and just for a moment here. I want us to, because I tell you, we've. I've felt. I have felt. And I know we went longer today than we do a lot of times. But. Um, But I have felt the presence of the Lord just moving among this congregation. This is not easy for us, uh, but then again, a lot of times, uh, nothing that's worth doing is easy, right? But I really believe that if God can do it for us, God can do it for you. He can help you no matter what stage you're in, no matter what you're going through. And I'm gonna tell you something. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to be married to this woman for the rest of my life. I I like, listen, I'm going to say it. I like my second wife a whole lot better than I liked my first one. (laughs) Amen. Just come out here. Just bow your head and close your eyes. I know there's hurting people here. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for every single person in this place that's wounded because of a relationship. I pray for healing. I pray for hope. Hope in the name of Jesus. Father, we don't always have to understand your way. Your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. And God, we don't always have to understand that. Today, today, Father, we lean on you. We trust you with all of our heart. In all of our ways, we acknowledge you. You said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and you delight in his way. May your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We will hide your words inside of our heart that we will not miss the mark or sin against God. Lord, I pray for every single person that struggles from depression. We take authority over that spirit, the spiritual part of it we're dealing with right now. We come against depression. The spirit of depression I speak to you to take your claws off in the name of Jesus and to leave these people alone. Never return in its place. We speak God's peace. We speak joy. We speak healing and health and wholeness. (coughs) Wash us, Lord, with tears. Cleanse us by your blood. Hallelujah. We speak life. We just speak life right now. We speak life in the name of Jesus. We speak life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Donna, pray. Just pray.
0: Lord, right now we come against anything that has ever fought anybody as far as depression goes. Right now, I take authority over it, and I command you to take your hands off. And in its place, I command joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Lord, right now, we thank you for it. And God, right now, for any marriage, God, that is having trouble right now, or those that have are divorced. God, I pray that you give them that comfort that they need. God, be there with them in their time of need. And God, for that marriage that's on the rocks right now, God, I pray that you step in. God, let them allow you to be in there in the middle. God, let them allow you to be there to help them through this. And Lord, right now, we thank you for it.
1: And Father, for any marriage that's about to happen that's not your will, I pray that somehow you would cause the scales to fall from the eyes of those involved so that they will see your will. And God, that you would interrupt it. Because Lord, a lifetime is a long time. And Lord, we're asking, Lord, that you will heal marriages, that you will heal relationships. And for those that are getting that start, help them to get the right start, we pray. And Father, we give you praise. Lord, we know you can take broken pieces and make us whole again. Lord, we thank you for doing that. And I just pray for that anointing across this congregation right now. Charles is gonna sing a little song. Let's just open up to the Holy Spirit for a few moments before we leave.
0: Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number for jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., And remember, the word will work if you work the word.